Drug Lies Podcast. I'm a watchman on the wall. I'm trying to speak the truth. You may choose not to listen, but that's all on you. 5, 10, 15, 20, if you follow the money, but you won't find healing. There's only death, honey, stealing and murdering for fix. Something intended for the sick. I'm just a watchman on the wall Trying to speak the truth But it's not what you think You're a watchman too Hi, this is Dr. Georgette Nichols, and the focus of this episode tonight will be on the Pixis Conversion Project at the uh, one of the hospitals I used to work at. So Pixis is actually an automatic drug dispensing device. You can think of that as a vending machine of medications. So essentially, it holds medications like vending machine holds food and it dispenses medications based on selections and privileges assigned to the um, the the uh, personnel that's allowed to access this Pixis or vending machine. So let's break this down very specifically. So Pixis again is a drug dispensing device similar to OmniCell. I don't have as much background in OmniCell, so it will not be a focus of this podcast episode or any other episodes. We will be focusing on the Pixis. Um, so the Pixis allows you to withdraw drugs from this machine if you've had an account set up. <clears throat> so they make an account for you, and based on what your, um, your clinical designation is, respiratory therapist, doctor pharmacist, nurse, then you're allowed to withdraw certain medications. And so this is all coded on the back end where you group the medications and you enter it and you link it to a certain drug class. Is it a narcotic? Is it this? Is it that? So not only do you group the medication by drug class, you also have to code that medication with specific numbers that links to an epic, an order set that contains that drug or um, a order, a doctor's order that he enters, an order entry, it links to that product if it's stocked in the Pixis and allows the healthcare personnel to um, withdraw that medication. So there's coding aspects to this, there's um, designation of drug class to this, and now let's go to the users. So the users are the healthcare personnel that are allowed to withdraw uh, drugs from the Pixis are only allowed to withdraw drugs from the Pixis that they have legal access to. So, for example, a respiratory therapist cannot legally withdraw um, benzodiazepines at whim 
um, because they don't have the rights to, uh, within their scope of practice to withdraw that medication. So normally respiratory therapists are only withdrawing albuterol and nebulizers. They may be allowed to withdraw like a vent kit if there's um, certain uh, specifics entered into the coding machine. Um, and I, I don't do deal with a lot of RTs, um, so I don't have the specifics on that, and that's not in the scope of uh, the episode, but uh, nurses are the same way, so based on where they work, say they're an ICU nurse, they would only be allowed to withdraw drugs from ICU and not the ER because they do not work in the ER and you want to prevent theft and um, too many hands in the cookie jar essentially and so if you're uh, designated to this floor you will not should not be allowed to when we set you up withdraw drugs from other floors but ironically that process of setting up users is usually done at the pharmacy level not always done at the pharmacy level and then the evaluation of those users and their withdrawing practice is that withdrawing drugs I mean when I say withdrawing practice is not always investigated but at one hospital we did actually look at how many times they overrode something whether they administered it and if it was a narcotic and they didn't have like the correct dosage and it did not add up the math of like did you pull a whole vial did you use that whole vial or did you use half and where's that other half then what we would do is withdraw their their access to the the drug machine the pixis the drug vending machine and so there is a lot of specifics in that just aspect of the drug storage machine Pixis of coding it, of coding the right orders, of coding the right users for the right drugs. And so essentially I did all that as a project for this hospital that I worked for. And I had to go through some 2000 users and add them to the Pixis and add their roles and add what they were supposed to do. Were they a doctor? Were they a nurse? What floors? What were they allowed to access? What were they allowed to access in an emergency? Um, and so all that process was set up by pharmacy. And that, you know, was usually the case, but not always the case. And nor was it a standard set of operations at any place I worked where it said, hey, if you are a nurse and this and this, you should only be able to do this and this. And there was no real standard uh, protocol of like, hey, this is how you set up the users. This is this. This is what they're allowed to do. This is what, if you give them more access, this is what happens. And so this is the culmination of seven places that I worked, almost seven where at each site I learned enough of this Pixis um, to understand a deeper level of the operational systems in pharmacy. And so I actually did some work as a tech um, at small places where I would even stock the Pixis to learn it more. And I started learning all about it. I started learning how to code the stuff to pull the right drugs. And um, I was very keen to that and keen to Epic. And and so that was my desire, and that is how I came across 
them stealing fentanyl is that this level of detail of knowing the drug machine of knowing the user rights of understanding clinical pharmacy and needs and that's how I was able to essentially um, show how they were stealing drugs and what I'm trying to get you to is that understanding with me are you going to be an expert by the end of this absolutely not you don't you don't have the degree you're not going to know the drugs but I want you to understand how flawed this system is for withdrawing meds, for returning medications, for charging patients, and that it is not solely an addict or a um, nurse seeking to harm someone. This is a flaw of the entire system, and it's on purpose because at the end of the day, they make money. They make money whether you got the whole drug or you didn't. And so sloppy bookkeeping allows for making up of anything that needs to be um, explained. And so that's what I need you to get to. I need you to get to that level of understanding, understanding where these flaws are and how these things are done. So let's go, let's focus our attention to a specific area. Uh, where Pixis's are used often um, in the operating room. Of course, they're used everywhere, but they're highly utilized items in the ER because lots of traffic in and out. In the operating room because lots of traffic in and out. Um, when you have floors, they're not always filled all the time on the floors, and so we we sometimes designate one side of the floor, and so one side's used more than others, and some pixis are used more than others on certain floors, but in the ER, they're generally always actively used because people go in and out of the ER a lot, and if you have an active surgery suite, those surgery units are used often. So we're gonna focus on the operating room, and we're gonna talk about those pixis devices in specific. So, if you have Epic and if you have Pixis, Epic is an electronic health record. Let's think of it as the Google Corporation of electronic health records. We're talking about that level of sophistication, that level of uh, revenue, and just a very, very intelligent system. Okay, um, AI, if you say, of the electronic health record, but they they don't do any AI on its own. That's just that's just the verbiage used here. Um, so if you look at that and then you look at the operating room and then the high usage there, when you withdraw a medication from the Pixis, the drug vending machine, you are immediately charged in the operating room because you do not always have time to scan and chart as you're actively opening someone up for surgery and you want to minimize exposures to other items and so when you pull the drug out you are charged you're charged whether you got it all or you didn't there is a procedure that's supposed to happen that someone usually the pharmacy is supposed to make sure that everything you were charged for and was withdrawn by the surgery crew you were given in its entirety and if you were not given it in its entirety then um, billing needs to be addressed and adjusted so let's go back to that override story i talked about a couple minutes ago that was happening in the operating room specifically and so when the nurses were pulling stuff in the operating room and not documenting it entirely we had to remove their withdrawal privileges and they couldn't get anything out of the the drug vending machine unless they fixed the problem and reported it 
that was not a standard of procedure everywhere. And you have to think, what is in the operating room? Narcotic drugs, drugs that put you to sleep, drugs that get you high, drugs that take your pain away. All these things are in the operating room out and about. And the reason we monitor those privileges is for a couple of reasons. A, are you stealing drugs? And B, are you accurately billing people? So there's no standard of that anywhere I worked in, in, in Texas, in, in the DFW Metroplex and in East Texas. How is that possible? And then I hear that we're in a fraudulent billing heat zone, which means the government knows we're fraudulently billing. So what do they do to prevent that? They prevent new places from opening, but never correcting the problem at the hospital level where they know it's existing and at other levels as well. Retail is somewhat more monitored, not always. There's exceptions always, but there's PBMs, there's more middlemen, there's more switches, and it's not a closed circuit. So anytime there's a closed circuit, it leads open access for, uh, you know, various activities because it's a closed system, closed circuit. So back to the withdrawing and the billing so one place I worked at I had to monitor how much I charged a patient salt water saline salt water to make sure it was accurately billed but then I work at another place and we never investigate whether they gave all the fentanyl and Versed and whether we accurately billed them in surgery and of course other drugs I'm just focusing on the narcotics because this is an ep- this is a podcast about narcotic theft in the hospital system and how systemic it is and really across healthcare and so why am I at one site monitoring how much I accurately charge you for let's call it a bottle of water and at another site we never investigate how much we bill you for narcotics. And how I know that's not being investigated is they have no reports to do it. I built the reports in the Pixis system. And at one site, they showed me how to build reports too. And the one that was monitoring salt water was looking at everything they pulled in the operating room. And then at the 200-bed hospital, they had no reports to look for that or check for it or monitor it, and so it was a faucet of drugs. Because at one little site, you're monitoring how much a water bottle is given at a very small hospital, and at an almost 300-bed hospital, you're monitoring not even narcotics being given. That always was odd to me. Um, I, I didn't know that the system was this broken. I was a new pharmacist. I didn't realize that there could be this level of corruption where one entity could be good and monitoring salt, uh, bottled water, salt saline uh, costs to you, and another site doesn't care how much narcotics you're being charged or how much narcotics were stolen from you. So that's one aspect of the operating room. The other aspect If the PIXIS is set that way where you're automatically charged when you remove the medication, that means if you were never given it, they'll bill you anyways. And that's fraudulent billing. So those items are supposed to be pre-checked for safety. um, And there's various ways to do that via kit checks and um, checks uh, via like you could 
code the pocket to scan only a certain barcode so that you're almost guaranteeing that it has the right drug in there if they actually do the scanning technique. And those are all to prevent patient harm. Um, but there's still patient harm in the operating room. There's patient harm everywhere. Anytime you're treating a patient for any kind of health condition, there is the chance of harm. It's what you do to prevent that and how you you resolve patient harm when it does occur. That's what makes you a healer and a healthcare worker. And this is, again, the problem that we're dealing with because we are illegally billing you when you're um, and fraudulently billing you while you're dying at your weakest. And furthermore, we're not doing anything to heal you either. Why do I say we're not doing anything to heal you either? If we're charging you for something you never received, that's not healing. And let's talk some more about the Pixis. So the project that I was involved in was converting operating systems. I converted them from Pixis 4000, an old operating system, to Pixis ES, and I found out that Essentially, Pixis ES was much, much more advanced, and the hospitals had access to this more advanced software that was more accurate in billing and could have more reports to help safety and, and, and metrics for billing, and the hospitals chose not to implement those. And so when I was converting these projects, I started learning more and more. I learned about assigning roles, who controlled who could get into the drug uh, vending machine, the Pixis. There were so many things and so many aspects and levels of this that there were so many ways that you could create a, a system to steal. And the environment welcomed it because they made money. And so when we were converting these Pixises from 4,000 to ES, it was a miserable project. The hospital really didn't want to do it. It was during COVID. I was given the directive I needed to do it. And I knew that I had to get it through and do whatever I took. And I would stay till 1 or 2 in the morning working on COVID floors. Converting Pixis's when people were dying on ventilators in front of me. And I sat there and built... Um, ways to put more fentanyl bags in the Pixis because they were just going through so much fentanyl, so much fentanyl over and over again. And I'm not saying there was a need for that, but what I'm saying is when you sit and look back at a war zone and you look back at this pandemic, you see if you really truly start to look at all the errors you made. Because retrospect's everything, right? And so why did those COVID patients go through so much fentanyl? Why are there stories in the pharmacy practice news like amid COVID, uh, the fight against Rx diversion surges, which means stealing, and the top drugs stolen were fentanyl and Versed, which are drugs used for ventilators, and we shut down surgeries, and those medications were still stolen. And there's the data there. I've posted it. I've done this podcast to talk about it. I mean, the data is overwhelmingly there that the system allows people to steal, allows fraudulent billing to go on. 
Because at the end, you make money. And that system's got to stop. For the patients, for the safety of them, the harm, for the healthcare workers who are addicts, to get out of an abusive relationship at some point, for the fairness of the country and the billing and the patients having to pay that, it's got to stop. So Pix's conversion project, I did that during COVID. I worked between three hospitals during COVID, one of which would fire me for reporting drugs being stolen. People dying on ventilators, some of them were COVID. But that's the Pixis side of the story in the best way I could explain it. I use the operating room. We'll go back to that again in the podcast. We'll go back to the fraudulent billing. We will definitely hit the ventilators. But before I close out this Pixis project, I have to end with one other story at that hospital where I did the Pixis conversion. A story of a patient who became a vegetable because of an error in the operating room. And one of the ladies that worked on that, worked on the Pixis and was so unmanageable and so difficult to convert to something that was better and safer and more accurately billing. I look back on that now and and think about it and think that there was something more strange there. And there always was. There was a rumor that that lady testified. And the rumor was that she testified on behalf of this injury. There was a patient that was in surgery and the doctor administered transexamic acid the wrong way. I think it was intrafecally. I didn't work there. It was years and years before me. And um, he took transexamic acid, which is used to reverse bleeding uh, in surgery, uh, not in all cases. Um, It's specifically used only in specific cases because if you're bleeding from a blood thinner, you um, don't always get that, essentially, but that's <laughs> beyond the scope. But um, So they administered uh, this bleeding reversal agent um, the wrong way, and the patient became a vegetable. And then the pharmacist at this hospital told me that that patient stayed in their ICU a year. And the patient went home, and I, like I said, I didn't work there. This is just the story and the gossip I heard. And I heard it at some point the patient obviously never recovered. And the family kept um, putting a news article in the, in the Fort Worth paper asking for any tips. And finally, we caught wind of that article, and I saw it, and I saw... A lady's picture, and I, um, I remember thinking of the baby that was hurt, of all the other people that I knew, and the nurse that killed people at the hospital I worked, and I, it really, um, bothered me. And that, it, it did have an effect 
not because I knew the person or was there, but because I heard of what happened and that we knew or had some ideas, but never specifically said. So what I had heard from the gossip was that the nurse gave the doctor the vials and the doctor selected the wrong vial for the patient. But then what was reported was the doctor had a syringe of transexamic acid had been drawn up and mislabeled and he thought he was giving, I think they said lidocaine and not a blood reversal agent. And he picked, he had picked what he thought was the right one. It was mislabeled and injected how he thought it was supposed to. And I question that story because if you, you don't commonly pull up transexamic acid, it's a reversal agent, one. And two, we didn't really buy enough at that hospital as I stocked all the drugs in the Pixis to really quantify pulling that up routinely and we didn't have a protocol to do that legally you'd have to have a protocol and I believe the reason why this um, batching is what we call that making a drug before it was needed um, to be prepared and so you're ready and you don't have to wait that's what they tell us but actually there's a legality to it so if you um, don't have a drug made specifically for you, the pharmacist can't have a liability protection for one. And then, uh, so it makes it somewhat easy for the pharmacist to be sued for any issues. And um, liability isn't as easy to cast on the doctor too because it was batched beforehand and it's, I guess, it understood in this process and in this insurance coverage aspect that it's subject to not working or something wrong because it wasn't made specifically for you. Um, and that's something I learned later when I was applying for insurances and um, liability. And uh, I couldn't get covered if I said we batched stuff. And I thought that was interesting because I remember batching lots of things, fentanyl and uh, banco and... Um, Vancomycin, it's a antibiotic, um, and all these other drugs, and uh, I thought that was very interesting. So from that story and from that person that told me that, this is how God works. I have to, I have to bring God in here. When I lose my job, that that uh, colleague always supported me and talked to me. She recommended a law firm that I call and see if they would support me and I sue the company because she knew what I reported and she believed me and she told me that I had to go to the DEA. She told me I had to go to the Board of Pharmacy and I had to blow the whistle and I had to do the right thing and it was going to be hard but I had to do it and she was a true friend. And so with that advice, I lost my job. I went to that law firm. I called them. I didn't go. But I ended up getting my lawyer. And then later, during this whole process within this year, I find out that that family has had some justice. And I talked to that lawyer that's 
supported that family, and that's how I found my lawyer. And you can't tell me that's not God. You can't tell me that I didn't go to the hospital and I um, didn't hear about that patient and then find my lawyer from that patient's lawyer. And I go through this journey and I know this story and I I wasn't there, but that's what they said. And they said that this was done to protect the doctors. That was the gossip. And I understand, like, you know, you should protect your employees. You should do that. And there's two sides to every story. It could be that that is just gossip. And he did pick the wrong batched item. But the family deserves to know that. And how you would know is, you know, you would have cameras in the room. You would have protocols in place. You would have more accurate dispensing in the operating room with, you know, uh, a more accurate um, presentation of the drugs so that the right drugs chosen. There are measures that can be done. But like everything, we, in that moment, don't think of all those measures. And that's not fair to the patient, and staffing's always an issue, but... Um, So that's the story of the patient that became a vegetable. And that's the story of the Pixis Project. After the Pixis Project, I will go on to the hospital that fires me. But again, I had to go there and I had to learn the Pixis. I had to learn that. I had to hear the story of this poor woman. Pray for her. And I had to go on because that was what my path was going towards. Hope you've come back for more. On the next episode, we'll do a Pixis analysis. I will film some screen shares. We'll go over the evidence I have, and we'll have to um, get into a little bit technological terms and see some visuals. But I promise me you're going to thank me. This is going to help you sometime if you're ever in a hospital and you want to make sure you're accurately charged. <laughs>